I'm very, very gassy and my throat isn't clear yet. Hey everybody, welcome to How to Survive the Modern World or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement presented by tribe74.com another great episode lined up i'm here with as always my name is rob i'm here as always with my pal andrew andrew how you doing today i've survived another week ah oh, yeah that's good good news good news because if you didn't you wouldn't be here no exactly like i mean i just i it's really hard to say i go week from week whether or not i'll actually survive but i've, I've pulled it off once again well, you are surviving the modern world like any good Gen Xer should. Oh yes, how's uh, how's your week been, Rob? My week has been uh, interesting. Like, uh, kind of came down a little bit with the the COVID symptoms again. So. Um, oh no, we're gonna have to put you down. I think so. I well, yeah, I've been, I've been in touch with my doctor about it. So uh, we're trying to get me healthy somehow. Perfect. Well, just listeners. In the meantime, I may need another co-host. Yeah. So be ready. Send applications in now, and uh, just for the record, they'll come through me first, because I want to make sure that uh, my legacy is not tarnished. <laughs> I have no legacy. I have no legacy. So, Rob, what, uh, what's on the show tonight? Well, I think uh, we're going to have a really interesting show today, because we're going to kind of diversify a little bit. We got some uh, SCTV, Second City Television. I love it. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about amusement parks. I don't know... Uh, I don't know what your feelings are on amusement parks, but uh, I love amusement parks. Oh, they're fantastic. I might be a little old for them now, but... They hurt now, but I still love them. Absolutely. And we're, we're, we've got a little series that we're going to try once in a while here called the Iconic Movie Franchises Series. And But this week, we're going to talk about James Bond, 007. Oh, yes. Gotta love the double O. In service of Her Royal Majesty, or however that goes. Yes, the double O seven. Anyway, why don't we uh, why don't we start off with uh, some Second City Television? Now, this is probably uh, mostly for our Canadian les listeners. For those of you that don't know what Second City is, it's a comedy show. Would you say was it based out of like in the eighties? Yeah, uh, probably seventies and eighties. I think uh, like late seventies, early eighties. I could be yeah. wrong on my dates, but yeah, and it was based around a television broadcast station and all of the different programming that they had throughout the day uh, it started in 1976 just uh for back checkers here that long ago man it was a great show that uh i think formed a lot of uh, comedy television uh back in the day like especially like you know ensemble skits and performance skits uh influence you know especially in canadian television but also, the, its reach its reach was was deep into America too, and I'm sure, I mean, a number of these actors uh, are legends when it comes to uh, uh, comedy uh, worldwide or North American comedy, anyway. Well, I I guess probably the standouts right now are Eugene Levy and uh, Catherine O'Hara. The funny thing is, there's a couple of actors uh, from Second City or SCTV that actually ended up in. Uh, the show you're referring to, Shit's Creek, uh, that uh, had minor bit parts in SCTV back in the day. 
no that uh that's an awesome show for the listeners that haven't had a chance to to watch you definitely need to tune into that but what you definitely need to do even more so is go back and find some old sctv it was like such a crazy show and and to think like how some of those actors how they have influenced modern you know television to not necessarily television sorry but modern media in a way uh, think of like the names like Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy, as you said, like think American Pie, Home Alone, uh, John Candy. Now, if anybody doesn't know who John Candy is, I mean, come on, like <laughs> John Candy is, is You've been a living legend. in an igloo. Yeah, you, absolutely. Uh, he's a legend in film and Rick Moranis from Ghostbusters. Um, how many more people like, I mean, if you look at like uh, Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas and Strange yep. Brew, yes, yeah, David, uh, Bob and Doug. Bob and Doug McKenzie from the Great White North. Absolutely. Uh, and like they, their influence, right? Like Martin Short, how about Martin Short? Martin Short oh, is considered yeah. one of the greatest legendary stand-up. Yeah, I think SE, or well, Second City, um, I believe they had a location down in, I'm going to say Chicago, but I'm not 100% I, I on Chicago that. As well. Chicago and Toronto were kind of their two big locations where you could go see improv comedy. And that's where all of those actors essentially came out of. It, the interesting thing too about it is uh, uh, back in 2008, 2009, I was uh, working in the film industry and uh, I kind of, you know, I thought that SCTV had kind of gone the way of the dog, but then I'd learned that a couple of people that worked with me at the studio had experience uh, being on SCTV, not the TV show, but on being on Second City uh, as a comedy troupe. And they did shows regularly in, in Toronto. And it was actually quite the, uh, it, it was almost like the, the Saturday Night Live of comedy in Canada, as in you went there if you wanted to take the next step in comedy anyway. Yeah, um, they have a fantastic theater in the theater district of, of Toronto. Um, I believe it's just off of Blue Jays Way, if memory serves correct. I don't know if I ever told you this or not. But they actually offer improv classes through Second City. And I did a couple of their classes while I was living in Toronto. Really? Wow. Yeah. Something I did not know about my partner here, Andrew. Probably did about a, a year of improv with uh, Second City just through their classes. I never actually got to the point that I was on their main stage. But I would, uh, I did some of the smaller stages around toronto that uh, that allowed improv in interesting that is so cool i had no idea i'm actually really excited i don't really br i don't bring it up that often <laughs> as you can tell as we've been working together uh, what for 10 years now yeah and, uh, at least first yeah. time i've actually brought it up yeah wow that's uh, that's pretty awesome so uh, so could you expand on your experience there maybe so as essentially the first guy that taught us he actually big commercial actor but he also had a regular show and i i can't remember the name of it uh, it was maybe the devil's advocates or something like that or i was just saying don't tell me it's like red green or somebody like that no 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 not not that big but for any of our uh, listeners that are comedy fans um stand-up comedian steve patterson is actually that's where i met met him who's uh now a main stage guy from uh that that you'd want to catch that tours canada regularly 
couple, there was some other people that, you know, I know that are still touring a bit and still kind of getting out there and getting on stage. It was just a hilarious time. Like every, every night I, after going to class, I'd walk out and my cheeks just hurt from laughing the entire time. But it was to, it was something that totally put me out of, of my comfort zone, just because you, you essentially just had to continually saying yes. You had to keep thinking in your head, just saying whatever the other person says that's in the skit with you, that you're going to say yes to just to keep the skit rolling. Yeah, and after that, there was um, a group of myself and three other people that I met doing those classes. And we actually wrote as a sketch troupe for a while. We actually never got to the point that, that we started performing. But the passion was there. But if things just kind of fell apart and went the way of the dodo, never got on stage for performing, uh, performing in that, uh, in that manner. What's intriguing about that is, uh, yeah, when you look at comedians, like there, there's um, a certain look to any major comedian or, or popular comedian. They just have that look that says, "I'm a comedian." And I'm sorry to say, Andrew, you just don't have that look. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if if that's a good thing or, or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, that's great. Uh, anything else you want to share about that? No, like, I mean, that was just, it was a really cool opportunity and was something that I wish that I could have continued on with. Um, essentially, back then, anyway, you had kind of had to go through about six different levels of their training program before you even be given the opportunity to go on to the the main stage but uh definitely definitely something that i did want to continue on with back then unfortunately when you're young and living in toronto you don't have a lot of money and um i i had to eat <laughs> yeah especially nowadays i don't imagine that uh, it would be as affordable uh maybe sctv probably maintain the same prices but i don't imagine that uh uh, living in Toronto uh, is quite as easy uh, for uh, artists and uh, performers, for sure. No, no, exactly. So, so speaking of performances, why, why don't we talk about some of our favorite characters or favorite recurring characters? Uh, do you have any particular favorite characters from the old uh, classic SCTV show? I think Bob and Doug are at the top of my list. I think I mentioned this in a, in an earlier show. That was the first 45 that I bought was strange brew. And I think it was probably how it even made it, made it onto our list to, uh, to talk about. That's the thing with SCTV. It was always, it was like, it's not that we forgot about it. It was just because of, you know, a Canadian show back in the seventies and eighties that uh, kind of slips the mind, but the, the influence that it, that it would play in our lives, I guess, to a certain extent, like, I mean, yeah, Bob and Doug McKenzie tell me people don't call each other hosers in Canada all the time still. <laughs> To this very day or you know perhaps you know talking like making a joke about a jelly donut <laughs> I, I can think of like you know some of my favorite characters like uh count floyd uh and uh, between him and johnny larue in the, the haunted house of uh was it the haunted house of pancakes man they did so many odd skits like they like stuff that was totally out there i don't do you know if it was actually a sketch or or was it improv i thought it was sketch but i believe i believe it's sketch it's uh basically like a, a 
Saturday Night Live, um, but without the live audience kind of thing. So um, they call it Canadian television sketch comedy. So yeah, that that makes sense. I just wasn't certain just because of the fact that they um, had all come from an improv background. So my understanding, uh, looking back at older Eugene Levy movies, my understanding that the 2020 movie Best in Show that uh, that Eugene Levy did, I think that entire movie is improv. That's what I heard. Comedians come, many comedians come from an improv background. And so, I mean, imagine a familiar transition for them, right? Maybe Eugene Levy, who spent a lot of time in Hollywood in the, in the, the later stages of his career, probably maybe got away from that a little bit, but uh, was, did he direct it or was he, was he a star in that? I think he was one of the, the stars. Um, I'm not a hundred percent if he directed. I might have to check that, that movie out because I, I didn't see it, but I'd heard of it. But uh, I, was, I was enamored with the Schitt's Creek, uh, which actually really interestingly was written and produced by uh, his son, Eugene Levy's son. A couple, couple months ago, not only was the house that they first came from uh, was up for sale in Schitt's Creek, but the motel was also up for sale as well. It did not come with the uh, the sign from the show, but uh, you you could you could go buy the motel if you wanted. I had uh, I'm was just kind of looking at the cast of SCTV, and I just can't believe how many big names came out of there. Um, Andrea Martin uh, also was was part of the cast as well too. Don't forget her is uh, Edith Prickley, <laughs> Joe Flaherty as well. Yeah, Joe Flaherty. That that's Floyd. That's Floyd. Uh, uh, Floyd Robertson, or, or Count Floyd. Yeah, yeah. He he was one of my. Oh, oh, he was the one of the one that made it into the big leagues too. And he went to. Uh, he was in Happy Gilmore. I was just gonna say that he was a pest. That would be like <laughs> you suck your ass. <laughs> I remember. I know he, he's been in a few other movies and stuff. Probably more Adam Sandler stuff. Uh, I know that he did a few other things, but I don't think he really gained a lot of success. Uh, certainly not to the extent that, that some of these other ones did. Oh, he was uh, he was also in Detroit Rock City, where one of the guys that I used to write with, he was in that movie. He was uh, a topless bartender, and I think he had a couple couple words in it. So there's a name that's on here that I don't remember from the show myself, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis is probably most famous for I, Ivan Spangler, uh, or sorry, Ivan Egon Spangler in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, the new Ghostbusters movie that's coming out is actually kind of focused on his daughter, I believe. And the, the, the trailer kind of focuses on uh, Spengler's daughter. So it should be interesting to see how that is. But again, I had no idea that he was a part of the SCTV cast. Actually, as soon as I brought him up, I had forgotten about him by name. But as soon as I brought him up, I got, oh, yes. <laughs> you guys out there don't need to Google this. What uh, could, kind of s- stood out to me about his bio that he got a start in comedy as Playboy magazine's joke editor and reviewer. I think he did some production and writing in film, like for some big films too, I believe. I think he did Meatballs. Meatballs. Was, well, he was part of National Lampoon too, I yeah. see. So and anybody who doesn't know National Lampoon is does not come out of our era. He did Animal House. He was in Stripes as well too, which... I, I actually saw Stripes in the movie theater a long time ago. It was in 81. My dad took me to see Stripes. Well, he, he was a voice in heavy metal based on the, uh, the 
uh, art magazine that I, I absolutely love. Uh, he was in Vacation. I don't remember him. Oh, he was the voice of Marty Moose, apparently, in Vacation. No way. He was in Groundhog Day. He was in Airheads, um, As Good As It Gets, which was a, a really good movie. I don't know if that one won any Oscars, but I know uh, it, Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt were great in that. Orange County with uh, Jack Black knocked up with uh that was with uh, uh seth rogan katherine heigl paul rudd so for the least known name on the list of the crew that came out from sctv uh he's done everything he's certainly been super successful yeah for sure who would you say and this is not to knock anybody uh, from the show but who would you say was the most successful of the people that you remember being in that show you know what i would probably still say john candy even though eugene levy has gone on to do everything i would still say john candy was kind of the the biggest player that came out of there i think so i think uh probably you probably love maybe a short list of john candy uh eugene levy Catherine o'hara and then Harold Ramis, obviously. Well, Martin Short, let's not forget Martin Short. Ed Grimley, the, one of the characters that came from SCTV, I believe. He actually did, he ended up, he ended up with a cartoon and a show, and uh, he made appearances here and there as well. And he was just kind of like, a, a, I don't know, he was a weird man-child type character. And, uh, but he was, he was that signature Martin Short type character. Almost everything that Martin Short did, like, was very uh, typecast in a way that they're just like, it was the same character yeah a lot and that's maybe that's why i didn't like him as much but uh there's no doubt he's uh, he's brilliant and uh if you ever watch him and him and uh, steve uh steve martin when they do their stand-up comedy together they're not modern comedy by any means like i don't think kids would like them as much as we would like them they're very classic comedy stand-up style mm-hmm. right John Candy, I think for sure, but Eugene Levy's had the longevity. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think it's probably just because John Candy's dead, which, to be honest, kind of slowed him down. Yeah, to, at least to a certain extent. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles—that was a, a big one. The Great Outdoors. One of one of the ones that he was really famous for: Canadian Bacon and Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings is, is still just a, a classic movie. It it's a movie that really anybody can uh, can appreciate and uh kind of registers with them it's the the underdog coming in and not knowing anything about the sport but is still there to compete and essentially are, are getting laughed at john candy his character takes them over the the finish line and everybody is uh is essentially enamored with the the team the jamaican bobsled team just in case those of you listening don't know what we're talking about. That that story is is historical in itself too, and the fact that they made a movie with that, and uh, the fact that John Candy had the opportunity to uh, to be in it as well. And if you haven't seen that movie, you should definitely check it, or at least the story. If you haven't heard the story of the Jamaican bobsled, the, the miracle on ice. That's not hockey. <laughs> uh, I, I had no idea John Candy was also in JFK, and uh, well, I forgot, he, of course he was in Home Alone because he was uh, actually had a major plot point in there, um, and. Spaceballs, the greatest movie of all time. Really? Yes. You didn't know he was a Spaceballs? I, you know what? I Maybe I need to go back and watch it. When I started to watch it, when uh, when it first came out on VHS, I couldn't get through it. I have never seen the entire movie of Spaceballs. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> How are we working together? <laughs> Is it done? It, it might be done. 
All right, so if anybody's sending any applications uh, to replace me when I pass, <laughs> you better have watched Spaceballs. Spaceballs. And not only the, watch the whole thing, but enjoyed it. Enjoyed it, and make sure that Andrew watches it because he is missing out on, a, on an integral part of his life. Okay, I'll go back and watch Spaceballs. I'll put it on the schedule for the weekend. If it wasn't for you being an SCTV, I would totally disown you at the moment. <laughs> what, a, what a roller coaster ride this has become today. And speaking of roller coasters, our next subject, amusement parks. Amusement parks. Yeah. How about that for a transition, huh? I loved it. I loved it. I'm a big amusement park fan, or at least I guess more so when I was younger. I shouldn't say more so when I was younger, because there are still a lot of things that I like. I go and enjoy different facets of amusement amusement parks than I did when I was younger. I can't go and ride the roller coasters like I used to. There, like I'll be in bed for the next four days after I go ride roller coasters. Now I just my body can't keep up for advil and yeah no exactly just give me a bottle of advil every day and i should be just fine i i'm a huge roller coaster junkie but uh, i'm kind of the same way and not so much that i don't think i can handle it anymore it's just uh i've got uh, i've got kids of the age that uh they love uh roller coasters or they love the amusement park and i'm there more so i'm the i'm the jacket holder now <laughs> the bag carrier so uh the last time we went to uh, canada's wonderland which is a canadian uh version of I guess it's, well, there's not too many uh, roller coaster uh, uh, parks or amusement parks in Canada, but it is the big one. It is like the Disney World of uh, of Canada. It was an interesting affair. Uh, we took uh, we took the kids and a couple of their friends, and uh, I rode one roller coaster, one ride all day. And after that, you stayed with the uh, stayed with the jackets. I was I was the jacket boy. I was the food getter. I was the uh, the, the beverage holder. Nice. But you know what? I was okay with that. Uh, I just did the lineups, the uh, the heat. The, uh, just said the crowds just they weren't they weren't my thing they just weren't my thing anymore you know when I was in my teens I'd make uh, several trips throughout uh, throughout the year to go to Canada's Wonderland and it was essentially a, a big part big part of my summer just going to ride the rides always looking forward to the the newest greatest roller coaster that had come out I can't probably even keep up with uh, all the roller coasters that they have now because every year they just make them bigger and scarier. For sure. And there, yeah, there's so many of them now. And there's the, the other issue that I find too, is the walking, like uh, there, there's just so much walking and I understand uh, the point as a, as a business, uh, they want you to walk, they want you to get refreshments. They want you to see everything that they have to offer because you're more likely to spend the money on it. But uh, the walk, the walking for me is, is tougher nowadays uh, of being older what they need to do is make the full park like a bumper car park so you just drive from uh one one ride to the next that is an actually a fantastic idea thank you i don't think i'd ever get off the bumper cars though <laughs> i'm spending my entire day riding bumper cars I, my goal is to be as violent as possible <laughs> and hit as many people as possible with my bumper car from uh wonderland like I love the old uh, wooden roller coasters, like the mighty Canadian mine buster. The last time I'd gone on that one was rough. <laughs> Pretty sure I got was concussed. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you got such a big shake out of those rides. I don't know if they still build that type of roller coaster even nowadays. Essentially now they just want to go bigger and faster, but 
the old wooden rides, you you feel it. Well, my, my experience in, in the last few years with uh, roller coasters and stuff is that I watch a lot of episodes on uh, YouTube about uh, uh, certain roller coaster events or new roller coasters coming out, and I'll watch the on-ride, the on-ride tours and stuff like that. I also played a lot of video games uh, like Roller Coaster Tycoon, and there, there's a few different ones, like Amusement Park Tycoon-type ones. And uh, the the wooden roller coasters, I guess, are still pretty popular in, in the way that uh, the cost is better for a roller uh, for for uh, an amusement park. The cost is easier, but then the space is where the issue becomes, right? Because you know the wooden roller coasters take up a lot more space because of all the structure. Thunder Run, that was another one. Uh, they they changed their name so many times there. Uh, I remember one point they were they were uh, a part of the Paramount branding. I can't just Wonderland suddenly was related to like movies like Drop Zone and uh, what was the one with the, the mini cars? Uh, I think it was like Mark Wahlberg and the mini car. It might not have been Mark Wahlberg, but the ones where they drive through uh, the center of England or London or something like that, right? And the mini cars going down all the stuff. Yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. Oh gosh. A ride called Top Gun that was based. You know, you're supposed to be like a fighter pilot. At one point, they were they were taken over by Paramount, but then after Paramount left or the contract ended or whatever the, the issue was, the then all the names ended, went with them. They went with them, yeah. So then they they changed them to Drop Tower or something, right? You know, <laughs> but equally as awesome, but uh, yeah, not quite as uh, licensed, I guess. Yeah. Now you you talk about that you hate waiting in lines. Now, what's the longest that you can remember that you've actually had to wait in a line to go on a ride? Leviathan or Behemoth had opened up uh, at Canada's Wonderland, and my wife really wanted to go on it. It was one I, 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 I don't do heights very well, so this one mm-hmm. was kind of a this one was a challenge for me. But uh, it was one where you kind of like you the, the first drop you were on a an over angle, so you were kind of like just over ninety degree angle drop or something like that. Oh, I don't I don't I don't know the exact, but you were, you were looking straight down and in a bit when you dropped on that first uh, the first big drop. And she wanted on the front. So we were right on the front for that one. But we stayed, we were probably in line for probably at least two to three hours for that. But yeah. going going back in the day, I would have to say probably the longest would have been the bat. Probably. Oh. So it's a ride in um, uh, an inversion roller coaster, I think is what it's called. It's where you go forward and then you go backwards. And yep. uh, that, yeah, and uh, that one, because it was like one car and it was like, 10 people on the car kind of thing. There was very limited movement in that lineup. And we stood in there uh, in the sun for a very, very long time uh, for that ride. And that was, to me, a waste of a ride. It was a great ride, but it was a waste of the lineup. (laughs) Yeah, I remember waiting probably up to three hours to do uh, Whitewater Canyon. Oh, you know, those ones have quite the quite the weight on them as well. Yeah, they, they do. Just because same sort of thing, I think it's probably eight to 10 people in this raft. And, um, you know, you, you can only you can only put so many people on the on the route at any given time. But, you know, I, I love the idea of going whitewater rafting. And this was my first my first step into it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the secret the secret to those rides though is to go in uh, uh, inclement weather. Now, yeah, for those, completely. Those who, those who don't live in southwestern Ontario uh, in Canada, uh, our summers are grueling, uh, and standing in those lineups are brutal. So when in in Canada's Wonderland specifically, in the summer, those hot, super hot, humid summer days, especially because Toronto is so humid too, those hot, humid days, uh, the water parks were busy as heck. The water por- 
part portion of it. So uh, you were able to get on the Top Gun ride pretty quickly, but when it came to Whitewater Canyon, you were definitely waiting a long time. So the secret is to go in September or October as it winds down, that the season winds down and get out there because nobody's going on the wet wa- the wet rides then. Now, I think with when we're talking amusement parks, I don't think you can have a discussion without talking about Disney. Have For you sure. ever been down to any of the Disney parks? I was to Disney twice, but when I was four and when I was eight. So okay. my memories are pretty sketch, pretty sketch on that, but I still have some I can talk about. I had never gone until I was an, until I was an adult. So you haven't gone yet then? <laughs> exactly, because I'm never going to grow up. No, um, and we took our son. He was probably about five or six at the, the time. But I grew up like watching the the Sunday night Disney television show that, that was always on and that you gathered around with the family. Well, when we got to the, the main park, we were waiting to get in uh, for it to open up. And at the opening, the train rolls up playing the Disney music. I've got my son on my shoulders, on my shoulders, and I actually just started welling up. Wow. Man, this is so <laughs> cool. <laughs> it really is. It's a part of your culture, right? Yeah, completely. It was it was a part of my youth that uh, was was coming back to me. One of our friends had one of the Disney travel um, programs. They had bought into to one of those programs, and so we actually bought their. Uh, their stay from them for one year. And so we actually stayed at Kildani Village. Let me tell you, the Disney, they are in the business of transportation, just moving people from one spot to another. It is incredible how seamless they move people throughout their, their parks. And masters of efficiency. Oh, completely. It's crazy. Considering how many people, I, I don't know any of the numbers off the top of my head, but considering how many people go to Disney World on a daily basis, I mean, there's probably, they're probably moving, uh, for some reason, I think the, the number of million people per day, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, no, it's it's just just absolutely crazy. The quality of rides, the characters alone is, you know, what draws you in. And I stood in many a line with my son, just waiting to get photos with all of the different characters, all of those memories that you kind of took back with you. So cool. Uh, I remember going on, uh, I was at the, uh, the small world rides. Uh, what, what was the big roller coaster was a uh, space mountain at the time. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean and, uh, 50,000 leagues beneath the sea there's so so much to see and so much to do and they really took the meaning of theme park and they made it they 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 define that word because everything that you did everything you everywhere you went everything that you saw was in the theme of disney so i have to tell you with the small world first it it was still quite dated at that point my understanding is is that ride has actually been updated since then and a lot of the disney purists were all upset about the fact they were making the change but i i understand that it's supposed to be even better now than than it was before it is such a old-timey original ride but man that whole small world song 
it stuck in my oh. head. I was having nightmares about the song, A Small World. I woke up in the middle of the night and it was going through my, my head. It's the awfulest earworm that you could ever have. I would hate to have had to worked in that ride once was enough to drive me absolutely crazy. But to, to actually work in that environment, no way. Tell me those kids these days aren't don't have earbuds in and listening to something else completely. I mean, honestly, like we, we talked about taking my, my older kids there at some point. We lagged on it and eventually what ended up happening now, the kids, they'd rather go to uh, they'd rather go to Cuba or to a resort <laughs> as opposed to to Disney World. But I, I still think that at some point I would like to still take a whole family trip to. A yeah, Disney you know World. what? It's great for any age. We definitely, definitely want to check out some of the Six Flags. Uh, Darien Lake is only a hop, skip, and a jump away from where we are. I've never been down to Darien Lake. Maybe when things open back up, then, you know, and can draw us away from our TVs, then we can, can actually go out and, and film some, uh, some of the stuff at the amusement parks. Right now, we are just stuck watching old James Bond movies at home. Yeah, and uh, James Bond movies are iconic iconic movies and i hazard to say and i hope i don't get flack for this but i hazard to say that iconic films for men completely i can't think of any woman i know personally who enjoys james bond films yeah no no my my like i mean my wife will sit down and watch them with me now and again there isn't many women in in the audience when you go to see a james bond movie which is weird because tell me that uh, how many of the James Bond actors, uh, starting even from the, the first uh, with Sean Connery, uh, how many of them have been considered the sexiest man alive? Yeah. I, I imagine you probably see more women going to check out uh, Aquaman. <laughs> well, they're two different types of men. I guess so. I guess so. The, those that played James, James Bond don't necessarily look fantastic with their shirt off. Well, look, listen, listen here, listen here. If I was a woman, you know, not only would I be, I'd be after Aquaman, but uh, you can't tell me Daniel Craig uh, isn't uh, just oozing machismo. You know, you know, and that's why I said, you know, most of the the people that play James Bond, he, he's probably the one that is in good shape. When you see Sean Connery with his shirt off or Roger Moore that doesn't do it for for the the ladies no roger moore i don't think uh, uh maybe maybe we should be we should have an episode where we rate uh how sexy the james bonds are <laughs> people may question our show but uh, you know what whatever uh, i'm i'm modern i'm hip yeah exactly <laughs> so what was the first bond movie that you ever saw Good question. Good question. I couldn't tell you what the first one is that, I, that I've no, ever seen. The first one that I watched was Octopussy. I was over at a friend's place for a sleepover. This would have been just probably just after it came out on VHS. I fell in love with James Bond and just the, the whole series right from that first movie. I didn't care who was playing the playing the character. I just, I wanted to be James Bond. Which movie was it the one that had Jaws in it? The one with the, 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 the very large gentleman. He just passed yeah, recently. Yeah, he may have made appearances in more than one movie. He did. He did. I, know, I know that he definitely made an appearance in at least two films. Uh, I can't think of uh, which one it was. I know he was in, I believe he was in Moonraker. Yep. 
And he was also in uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. Spy Who Loved Me. I have a feeling that that might have been my first James Bond film because I remember him distinctly. I love all of their bad guys, too. It's, so let, let's discuss exactly why James Bond movies are so amazing. We, we can make a list. Let's, let's do a list here. Number one, the villains. The villains were fantastic. Oh, completely. Yeah, Jaws has to be right up there at the, the top of the list for sure. The, the beautiful, badass women. There, there's so many. Yeah. You're right. And I mean, and they were all badass, right? I mean, there was a oh, few completely. that were, uh, that might have been questionable, but uh, some of them, like, I mean, they always ended up being badass, kick ass, tough women that, you know, definitely give James Bond a run for his money. And they had the extra awesome power of seduction on top of all their skills and intelligence. Yeah. It was always a question is who's seducing who here? Exactly. Because, I mean, Bond was always known to be seducing the women, but was it was it really Bond that was doing it, or was it the ladies? There was a few of the, the films where you know they 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 were the ones you oh know, completely him and they uh, tricked him. You know how many times did he let his uh, his little man do the talking for him and he he got backstabbed? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Uh, and what else? So, and the gadgets. Okay, the gadgets didn't show up until a little later in the in the film. So I think it was like maybe the fourth or fifth film uh, when the gadgets started to show up. But I mean, some of the the the, the technology, the uh, uh, the cars, the, the Austin Martin. I think first right right away the Austin Martin. Um, and I I don't even remember what movie that that Austin Martin appeared in. Or maybe they even did other ones, but I'm I'm thinking the silver Austin Martin that has the ejection seat um, to shoot out shoot somebody out of the roof. I remember as a child, my brother having I don't I don't think it was a Hot Wheel, but having a uh, an Aston Martin ejection seat diecast car. Yep. It was it was like the same size as a Hot Wheel, like the 164 scale. But that's my nerd coming out of me there. But uh, I remember my brother having that, and uh, that. Yeah, that is like probably my first memory of James Bond, even before watching the movies. No, I I had one of those as well too. So, for I can't remember which movie it was from, but if anybody's listening, and can put a comment somewhere, please please do. Yes, for sure. The the I mean the cars were magnificent. The the locations were magnificent, and the stunts were magnificent. The 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 storyline. Let's be fair. Like I mean, the, some of the storylines might in some of the episodes might have been a little ridiculous. They they generally kept you on edge, mm -hmm. and they were full of action. Completely. I would say that perhaps the new Daniel Craig uh, movies that they that they prob have a little bit more action than all of the the movies that came before it only because you know there's all these other action movies that are out with you know the big leading men of of hollywood mm -hmm. i feel that they're almost doing the same sort of storyline and the the james bond of today is essentially doing the the same sort of things that they are you know maybe it's just what what we can do with film now that makes it seem that much more action-packed than than the originals but having said that though when you're watching that it just seemed as exciting back then as it does today and perhaps that's what it is uh, it's a it's a time thing right like a, or a generational thing i think the difference maybe the big difference is i mean you can talk about like the technology uh involved in creating the films and 
they're probably more now a, a conglomeration who builds a film as opposed to just you know a writer and a director and a, a production company now you have it's it's a major production especially with this license i feel that now there's they've kind of taken a little different like if you watch the old james bonds movies you could watch them out of order right from the first doctor no all the way till you know die another day with pierce brosnan you could watch them Mm -hmm. out of order and it wouldn't have mattered you could each one was a standalone but what they've done with daniel craig and maybe not the first couple but uh, the last couple movies they've kind of had something they've had a connection and it's an edge as well like daniel craig isn't you know the playboy he's uh he's just an angry not not necessarily angry but he's a it's a hard-nosed he's intense he's intense and he he just wants to get the job done and he will do whatever it takes to get that job done and i think that there's a lot more edge to him than there is to the previous bond actors i would agree he isn't as as much of a playboy um now as he used to be and maybe that's on purpose because perhaps it's not as accepted now in theaters i i don't know but you really do expect that your james bond is is going to be a playboy to, to a certain extent yeah but i think that they, they've kind of changed and probably for the same reasons that you're mentioning before about action film is that people are kind of they want they want something that stands out and they don't want the the old school slow dragging style plotting yeah, I mean, it, everything is so fast-paced now. Yeah, it's all just moving in from, Yeah, moving from one action clip into the next. Yeah, that being said, there's certainly been some very ridiculous stunts or ridiculous like moments in the in those shows uh, that uh, sometimes kind of take you out of it a little bit. Let, let's 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 do this. Who is your favorite James Bond? Uh, more. Roger Moore, wow! Roger Moore, wow. he was he was my favorite. I am, sh- I'm, I'm, I'm only saying I'm shocked because there's usually only two answers, and <laughs> Sean Connery is usually usually the, the go-to for most people. Who, but yeah. I think I think it is is that if you if you're a hardcore, and this is not to say that you know, uh, it's not to be pretentious or anything, but if you're you're hardcore, you either love Sean Connery or you love Daniel Craig. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that you, that you can say Roger Moore is good. It shows that you have Roger Moore is definitely probably up there maybe considered the best actor in all of them like i i thought i thought he played the the character so well maybe it's part of it the fact is he was the the bond that i grew up in with during my youth right. and maybe that's what stuck with me um still love sean connery yeah you have to love sean connery for no sure. exactly he's he's exceptional roger moore has always been the the bond for me I mean, I enjoyed all of them, but uh, for me, Daniel Craig. I wasn't a big fan of uh, Pierce Brosnan, although I did see a couple of his films in the theater. Yeah, I don't think many people were, and I think that's really why he wasn't Bond for long. For me, it's Daniel Craig, and I I couldn't see... I don't know how I feel about them moving forward without him in the future. Uh, they are talking now about him being replaced, but I, he was originally not going to be in uh, the most recent movie that's coming out. But I guess he signed on for a couple more films. I only thought there was one more film coming out with him in it. Oh, it could be that. Maybe I, my timeline might be a little bit off on here. It says, uh, in the appearance of uh, he, No Time to Die, which is one that's coming out this year, is his last film, his last James Bond film. I thought so. And I think they kind of hint at it in the trailer for it that he will, uh, he's, they have a replacement 
and then that that caused that stirred up a lot of controversy because they talked about they talked about being a, a black man or a woman uh, taking over for the role. I don't know where the sense is in the criticism for that, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, I, I think he had a great stand, and I look forward to where James Bond will go in the future. Well, yeah, I just I don't think that you can replace James Bond with a a woman because it's the character James Bond. I don't care what color the person is that that plays the character. It's a it's just a a male role in the in the storyline. I don't see why there can't be a strong female that does another is another double O, and you can even call him call her double O seven. But you're not you can't call her James Bond. Oh, for sure, yeah. Calling her James Bond would uh, would certainly be silly. Yeah, like I think they they can certainly uh, create a great storyline and would come out of the James Bond world for sure to actually replace that character with a, a female female actor that would change the the movie it wouldn't be a james bond movie anymore it would be under the heading of the double o the world of double o's i'm uh i'm intrigued to see what the from the looks of the trailer it looks like that there is definitely uh he partners up with a, a strong agent as well a strong female mm-hmm. agent a, a woman agent so we'll, we'll have to see where that plays out, but I'm excited either way. And uh, I, I kind of agree with you to that point that they definitely, uh, they can't replace the James Bond character overall, but why couldn't they have perhaps like a, a spinoff series with, you know, Jane Bond or however they want to name it. Yeah, no, I like, I can totally see that coming out of that world, but to actually, because James Bond is such a huge franchise you can just you could keep making James Bond movies for another hundred years because they're that great, and it doesn't matter who the actor is. You just put them into that character. But you can certainly have, as you say, a spinoff where uh, they have a a woman agent that that comes out of that world. You could easily do that. Do you know who they were looking at? Um, you mentioned that they they were looking at a a black gentleman, and I I seem to remember who they were looking at for that role but i seeming to think that he'd actually be a really good fit but i can't remember his name right now and i don't know if they actually um booked him in after daniel craig or not iris elba i believe is one that they talked about okay yes i iris elba or idris elba i'm sorry i can't i don't know his, his name I, I know who he is and I, I know the roles that he's been in uh as far as i understand he was the one that was uh definitely slated and or i don't know if that was like uh public court had had assigned him the role or if that they were actually interested in it uh just a quick read here it says that he publicly publicly spoken about the possibility of playing the next bond but he's never sought the role uh and i guess right now there's a huge uh um brokers the traders uh the the gamblers i guess there there's uh, a a number on on who's going to be the next james bond and uh, from the, from my reading here is it Idris Elba uh, is a 10 to, 10 to 1 odds of oh. being the next James Bond. And there's something here, a quick thing about Lashana Lynch. British actor Lashana Lynch says she deleted her social media accounts for a week and spent time with family after a torrent of online abuse following the news that she would play the first black 007 in the latest Bond film. So I guess she's in the No Time to Die. She's the character that I, that I know I'd seen in it. Yeah. Or she had, she had inherited the mantle of James Bond 
from Daniel Craig, who'd been retired for five years. So she's not, she isn't like taking over for James Bond. I don't, I don't believe just from reading that part there. Uh, but she, I guess she takes over his role in the fictional movie universe. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Why not? Why not actually introduce a, a strong female action lead, then start that storyline going and then keep the James Bond uh, storyline going at the exact same time? percent think that they should uh have a a, a 007 female 007 character who can can carry her own franchise then you you could have this two two new james bond or james bond world movies coming out every year that'd be awesome and think about that think of the money they could pull in the franchise with that oh exactly I'd, I'd hand over my money that being said do we know we know how fandom is in regards to uh change in their in their industry or in their their favorite franchises and stuff like that because and, and i was just reading this quick this article quickly saying that she had to delete her social media because of the abuse that she got from it would it be a success that's that's i guess a big question and then as a film studio or as a license holder you have to ask yourself at the end of the day we might do the right thing by having you know the, this person play portray the character but if it's not going to make money what do you do yeah, like I think that they could probably make uh, make a female that is a just another double O, and because we all know that there's there isn't just double O seven. That's not the only double O. Well, as I said, there's how how many different ones are there? Yeah, like I mean, you're you're just essentially that the double O's they're they're licensed to kill, and so there there isn't any reason that they can have any other double O numbers that they want to assign to another character to run with a storyline. And you know that they're going to do the movie right. Well, I think they, they need to look at, at the, the, the overall storyline and decide that, okay, so we have 007. We have a character that, that, that we have already established. Why not give the opportunity to a different style of character, maintain the, the history and make it a 006 or the 008 yeah. or the 001. Like why, I mean, where, what is the 001's role in all of this? And why is that character, why could that character not be Lashana Lynch, uh, for instance, or whoever, whomever that they decide they want it to be? I'm 100% behind diversifying this character. Look, I mean, think about, um, think about the movie like Tomb Raider. That is a, a strong female lead action movie there is no reason that the bond franchise couldn't do that with a, a another double o female i would suggest that it has to be an english actor as well too you couldn't sure. take a canadian and put them in into that role that'd be disingenuous right yeah exactly and it's just it's just because the this is who this character is now with with regards to color i don't think that makes a difference quite honestly they just it needs to be an english gentleman and with that i think it's probably a good good opportunity to maybe call at the end of the show yeah well we could probably go on for with this whole subject for another hour or two but you are right the show is coming to an end thank you everybody for listening with us tonight for listening to us tonight. We appreciate you checking us out. And also, if you have an opportunity, check out our webpage, podcast.tribe74.com. Check out our sponsors, tribe74.com. And if you want to send us money, do it. That's awesome.
All right. Peace. Take care. Bye.